0: Hey, this is Nolan North, and you're listening to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Why wouldn't you? Take it from me. Raphael from
1: TMNT, go back to 2007. We'll save our brother, and then we'll save New York City. Or, of course,
2: you may listen to the Krang, because
1: the Krang know
2: that you should listen to Turtles, Turtles, and Turtle Power Hour. Go listen, Krang.
0: Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey.
2: And I think I'm still Mike Templeton. I haven't decided yet. Uh, jury's out.
0: Well, uh, let us know uh, when, you, when, when they come back.
2: Yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you know by the
0: end of the episode. when you get a verdict. Yeah. So, this week, we're covering more of Season 7.
2: Yeah, we had to take a week off. Um. So sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry that we said we would be back last week, uh, took a week off, but we are ready to jump back into season seven.
0: Yeah, that was that was, you know, uh, a lie. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're actually back now. Uh, now we're actually covering those 16, 17 and 18 uh, episodes that we mentioned.
2: We're covering Do 16 we- episodes.
3: Yes. 16, 17 and movie. 18 <laughs> episodes. Yes. <laughs> So that okay. is
2: that's episode 16, 17, and 18 yes, yes.
3: of season seven, which are The Legend of Koji, Convicts from Dimension X, and White Belt Black Heart.
2: Three actually a lot better episodes than I thought they would be.
3: Yeah,
0: like this back half, like the part that's not the European vacation part of season seven has been pretty much like peak this series since that first
3: season in my yeah like like
2: actually like actually actual season seven is pretty good so far
3: yeah i kind of wonder had we not watched the european stuff like between six and seven if it would be as good as we think it is but like it's been real good like (laughs) Especially, I mean, I, I think I texted you guys after I had a couple. I was like, guys, Legend of Koji is the best episode um, ever.
2: I'm having one right now. Um, oh, good. And yeah, like Legend, hey, spoiler alert, Legend of Koji was really good.
3: Yeah, and the other cool two were pretty good, too. So, And I
2: think I've got some second-of-time-arounds that I don't think you guys thought of. So. Ooh,
3: ooh we we'll uh, to find out.
2: Yeah, why don't you uh, tell us a story then, Spencer?
0: Perhaps I can best explain The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. So my episode is The Legend of Koji. It was released November 6th, 1993 and written by David Wise. Uh, This week, I didn't end up uh, being able to create my own summary of the episode. So you will be getting this one courtesy of Turtlepedia. sorry Sorry if it ends up being on the longer side.
2: Uh, I mean, all of mine are from Turtlepedia. Turtlepedia is great. We love that resource.
0: Well, I will, I will credit it every time I use it, because, I don't know, I just believe in doing that. It is probably a conglomerate of people that do it. I don't know how to credit any one individual with this wiki, but thank you, whoever made this. So, in The Legend of Koji, Splinter has experienced a disturbance in the force. Meanwhile, at the city's Museum of Fine Arts, Shredder uses his time-portal invention to travel back to ancient Japan in the year 1583 so that he can destroy Splinter and the Accursed Turtles once more. (laughs) Once and for all, by changing history. Meanwhile, Splinter suggests to the Turtles that they make haste to the Fine Arts Museum. Back in ancient Japan, Shredder storms the palace of Oroku Sancho and informs him that he is one of his descendants, Oroku Saki, and has traveled from the future to give him power and wealth beyond his wildest dreams. But after Shredder tells him about the location of two magical relics in the forest that would provide Oroku Sancho power and wealth, Shredder's ancestor decides that he can find it for himself without the aid of his descendant. This proves to be his undoing as Shredder decides to don Oroku Sancho's battle armor, impersonating his arrogant ancestor, and lead his men into the forest. Meanwhile, a young samurai named Hamato Koji is roaming the woods in search of something his sensei instructed him to find in order to start his own ninja clan. He, however, encounters Shredder and Oroku Sancho's men, who Shredder orders to kill Koji. Meanwhile, at the Fine Arts Museum, Splinter and the Turtles find Shredder's time machine. Splinter notices the machine is set for the year 1583, the year the Foot Clan came into being. Splinter believes Shredder plans to destroy Hamato Koji, the man who founded the Foot Clan, and Splinter's great ancestor. If Hamato Koji is destroyed, then Master Splinter would never have been born and the Turtles would forever remain ordinary Turtles. They follow Shredder back to ancient Japan. Splinter and the Turtles arrive just in time to help Koji defend himself against the Shredder and Oroku Sancho's men. The Turtles and Splinter remove their cloaks, scaring off Oroku Sancho's men who believe them to be Tengu demons. Needless to say, Shredder is extremely angry that the Turtles have followed him to the past and threatens that they will never escape the past without the Time Machine remote control. Before they can pursue Shredder and get the remote, they must assist Koji in his quest and naturally explain who they are and why they are there. Meanwhile, Shredder must hire new assassins to deal with Koji, Splinter and the Turtles, now that Oroku Sancho's men refuse to fight because they believe the turtles are demons. Koji tells Splinter and the Turtles that his sensei told him to find the shrine of Shibano-sama, when suddenly they are attacked by three female assassins. However, when Koji risks his life to save them, They renounce their mission. Shredder convinces Iroku Sancho's men to follow him once more by using the anti-gravity ray to convince them that he has the power to overcome demons. Koji, Splinter, and the Turtles discover the location of a shrine, but it is not Shibano-sama's. Suddenly, they are attacked by another hired killer, Koro. When they defeat him by knocking him into the shrine, Shibano-sama's shrine is uncovered. Inside, they discover the Nomi Blade, a legendary sword that can cut through anything, and the Tsunami Box, containing a power greater than any tidal wave. Koji attempts to open the box, but but is warned by Splinter that it should only be opened when its power is needed. No sooner does Koji have these magic relics in his possession, does he begin to dream about the power of his clan, and they find themselves confronted by Shredder and his samurais. During their battle, the Tsunami Box is accidentally opened, releasing a giant fire-breathing dragon which, after scaring everyone, heads in the direction of nearby villages. So, while Koji and Splinter go off to protect the villages, the turtles are left to keep Shredder and the marauding samurais at bay. Oroku Sancho manages to free himself, while Koji tames the dragon using water. Oroku Sancho arrives and declares Shredder as an impostor. Just as his samurais are about to execute Shredder and the turtles, Koji arrives riding atop the now-tamed dragon. Oroku Sancho cowers in fear, revealing his true colors. Koji offers service to Oroku's men as he initiates the Foot Clan. The end.
1: Riveting. Good,
0: good stuff. Yeah, it was a little long, but that's fine.
2: Yeah, they get a little long-winded on uh, Turtlepedia, but that's what I love about them. You get, you get used to reading it, though.
0: Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, guess, I think for the listeners, I like to try and keep it short and sweet because I feel like uh, that the is parts are the most exciting ones.
2: But, I mean, that is fair. I'm going to jump into a long one here. Convicts from Dimension X, episode four of The Real Season 7, original air date, November 13th, 1993, written by Jack Mendelson. Late at night, Leonardo drops in on Donatello as the latter is fine-tuning his interdimensional early warning system. When he finishes, he triggers a loud alarm that immediately wakes Michelangelo and Raphael, who decide to watch monster movies and read comics since they're already awake. Leonardo opts to go practice some ninjutsu. Unbeknownst to them, Donatello's portable portal generator, which is on wheels now, accidentally runs into the early warning system, switching on and opening a tear into the dimensional fabric. At the other side of the portal, a Dimension X prison, where two prisoners named Skarg and Dementor have just attempted to escape. The guards gas them and tie them up before locking them in solitary confinement. When the portal appears in front of them, they leap through. And by coincidence, Irma and Vernon happen to be standing at the other end of the portal, and they are deposited into the jail cell. Back at the lair, the turtles are each pursuing their own interests when the early warning system suddenly goes off. They rush to Donatello's lab only to find. Only they rush to Donatello's lab only to be told what happened with the dimensional portal. Concerned that the Dimension X intruders may have crossed over, the turtles then head out to investigate. Skarg and Dementor soon discern that they are on Earth and immediately start investigating the weapons and technology that they can get their hands on. They decide that they could use some help conquering the Earth from their old prison mates, the Dregma Brothers. As they consider how to get the Dregma brothers to Earth, April finds them and attempts to videotape them, which the two convicts interpret as an attack. April is then chased away just as the Turtles arrive, and Donatello quickly confirms that the aliens are from Dimension X. Skarg and Dementor prove to be formidable adversaries because of their superior strength and advanced weapons, but leave the scene when they hear that Donatello has a dimensional portal. They run into April once again and melt her camera. Back in Dimension X, Vernon attempts to throw his weight around with one of the guards, but quickly discovers that they aren't impressed. Also, they find that Dimension X food is revolting. Skarg and Dementor make their way to the sewer lair where they drive the turtles back with laser beams and then trap them in a transparent force field. The two criminals use the interdimensional portal to bring the Dragonberg brothers from their cell to Earth. To make sure that they won't be sent back, they attach a time bomb to the portal and flee the lair. Donatello manages to use a flashlight to short out the force field, and rushes to his lab to defuse the bomb. He's not sure which of the four wires to pull, and Raphael shouts at him that it's always the red wire, only for Donatello to pull the blue wire, declaring that it was all just a trick played by them. The other three turtles head to Skarg and Dementor, while Donatello tries to find a way to send them back. In Dimension X, Irma and Vernon are put on laundry duty, which is complicated by Vernon's whining and his overuse of detergent. Vernon also attracts negative attention from the guards during a prison run, but is terrified into continuing when the guard suddenly transforms into a more monstrous appearance. Donatello advises his brothers that the aliens are probably going to use the national guard armory to get more weapons. And he's correct. As the four aliens have gone there and begun reassembling parts of different vehicles and weapons into a new weapon. When the turtles arrive, they are attacked by a flying tank as they As they attack the Dimension X convicts, Donatello informs Raphael that they have one chance of sending the aliens back. They must be lured to the same place they appeared at, and conditions must be exactly the same. If it goes wrong, the whole city could be sucked into Dimension X. The turtles lure the felons to where they first appeared, and Donatello opens the portal just as an old lady with a dog appears. As the dimensional balance begins to destabilize, Raphael manages to seize a levitating ray gun and send the old lady and dog elsewhere. The portal opens, pulling the convicts back into Dimension X and depositing Irma and Vernon on the street, and Irma begins prattling on about their experiences, much to the Turtles' bafflement. In Dimension X, the four convicts are recaptured by the prison guards. April reports on the events of the day, thanking the blushing turtles for saving the Earth. Just then, Michelangelo rushes in, declaring that there's been a huge tear in the fabric, but this time it's in his undershorts, meaning that they need a new washing
3: machine. The end. Bold storytelling. All right. On the back half, we have White Belt Black Heart. This is Season 7, Episode 18, original air date November 13th, 1993, written by Jack and Carol Mendel- Mendelssohn. So Splinter has received a psychic transmission from his old sensei, Mogo-san. Mogo-san is on his way to America to deliver the sacred white belt of his clan to his grandson and Splinter's former pupil, Yoku. Unfortunately, Yoku has chosen a life of crime and currently leads the Blackheart Gang, a ninja group robbing jewelry stores all around town. A local bank president has actually put a bounty on their heads because their robberies have gotten so out of control. Shredder and Krang are also interested in recruiting the Blackheart gang, as with their skill, they'll be able to conquer the entire city. After the gang robs a jewelry store, April is reporting on it and sees Shredder spying on them. She alerts the Turtles, and on their way there, they almost run into the getaway car that the Blackheart gang is using. Shredder meets up with with the gang and wants to... Shredder meets up with the gang and wants them to steal some maps of some nuclear test sites in exchange for Dimension X weapons, but Yoku needs to check with the boss first. The turtles show up and Shredder escapes by subduing the turtles with some peas he spills on the floor. Yoku refo- refuses to go with the turtles, but Splinter shows up and subdues him. The turtles and Splinter bring Yoku to their lair to see mogo who orders the white belt burned instead of given to his evil grandson. But... Yoku escapes when the smoke from the belt burning pours into the sewer layer. April sees Yoku come up out of a manhole and follows him, but her cover is blown when Leo co- calls her on the turtlecom. Ninja Gang is going to use April's van and her press p- privileges to sneak into the military base to steal the maps. Vernon has footage of the gang stealing the maps and April driving the getaway van and airs it on TV so the turtles see it and jump into action. They rough up a restaurant owner and find the Blackhearts gang's secret hideout after Michelangelo accidentally knocks a pot off the shelf that breaks through the floor. The turtles fight the gang and have the upper hand until the gang starts using their Dimension X weapons and trap the turtles under some rubble. Then, the secret boss appears. It's that same bank owner that put a bounty out on the gang. It was the perfect cover. But then, Yoku swings into action, attacking his old gang and saving the turtles. Turns out, He's actually a secret government agent who was assigned to infiltrate the gang. He reveals this to Master Mogosan, who is very proud of him, but unfortunately the white belt has already been burned. Luckily, Splinter reveals that he actually just burned Michelangelo's socks instead of the belt, and it, the belt is handed over to Yoku. Also, uh, Shredder has somehow made it to the Gobi Desert and calls crying to tell him that the mats were a fake. There's also a weird side plot where Bebop and Rocksteady were trying to paint one of the rooms of the Technodrome. Bebop wanted to paint it yellow. Rocksteady wanted to paint it blue, but their paint gets mixed up, so they go with green. Then when the Shredder calls Krang, they throw green paint on Krang for some reason. The end.
2: I completely forgot that's why they had paint.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, and it didn't make any... Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a whole subplot, wasn't it? They spent a lot of time on that, too. Yeah. Uh, I guess this happens when you have two people writing one story, right? sometimes. <laughs> I all think right, well, Carol let's... was like, guys, I have this great idea for a whole episode where they make green paint. And Jack was like, uh, let's just write around that. Well, I mean,
2: and that's the thing. Uh, so I was looking at the credits of that episode and David Wise and Jack Mendelson are the story editors. So yeah, no, they, they worked on that together. It wasn't all Carol.
3: You know, what's interesting. <clears throat> so, the first two episodes of the season, season seven proper, uh, were written by David Wise. Then we have these two episodes, Jack Mendelssohn and or Carol Mendelssohn. The rest of the season, David Wise. Nice. Yeah. The dude is well, a, just, a, just I, guess we're, out.
2: I guess we're unofficially into the second time around.
0: Hey, uh, nice junk. <laughs> for The Legend of Koji, this is the first time we hear about Koji, you
3: know, the founder of the Foot Clan for the 87 series. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not the first founder of the Foot Clan that we've had. If you remember back to Blast from the Past, there was a, uh, was it Sabato-sama?
2: Shibano-sama.
3: Shibano-sama, who there we is go.
2: Name, who is name-dropped here. I don't think... And, and so and so that's what's kind of weird about it, is that like it feels like Shibano-sama like, is kind of a legend at this point. Yeah. And then Hamato Koji um, is the one who creates the Foot Clan proper. Like, like, Shibano-sama probably creates the, like, training or, like, some of the tenants of the Foot Clan. Like,
0: but then like, the Curly maneuver.
2: Yeah, the Curly remo- maneuver, like, stuff like that. But then, like, Hamato Koji is the one who, like, formalizes the Foot Clan. Like, literally, like, there's a foot in the ground from that dragon. Like, we're going to name ourselves after
1: that.
0: Yeah, cool. Which so is really neat. Like a dragon foot like the 2003 series.
1: And so I just, well, so what I thought was kind of neat about this
2: episode in particular, like this, this was the best one of the three. Like, I think all three of us are in agreement on that. Yeah. Um, so a couple things, uh, remember when we were doing, uh, our episode on the third Ninja Turtles movie. And we had talked about how there was like supposed to be a like three way crossover kind of where all like the movie the comic and the show all were supposed to take place in like ancient japan at the same time
0: Mm. i think
2: this kind of feels like that was a part of that
0: yeah yeah and then like it got it got
2: rewritten it got yeah like this this fits that time frame when this would have been like in production as when the movie was being in production so
0: this did come out in 93
2: yeah and so So, yeah, so I kind of feel like this was uh, maybe a part of that project. Um, Like, ultimately, you know, all three didn't connect into each other like the way they had originally intended. But, like, this goes back into, you know, a time in Japan. I think when did TMNT 3, when did they go back into Japan?
0: Like... It was ninety three in March. Six, so it was. So Over it was. So this
2: goes back to. So they go back to fifteen eighty three in, in this episode, and the movie sixteen o
1: three. Mm. So, I I think this was part of that. Like, but I but I don't know. Like it, I'm just I'm just
2: speculating here. But I think this probably was part of that.
3: Yeah, it makes as much sense as everything else we speculate about. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Yeah, it seems. I mean, the timeline works out.
2: Yeah, like I just the timeline works out for me. Um, The uh, remote control for the uh, time portal that Splinter or Shredder uses uh, that actually came with the
1: Rex One action figure from NECA. Really? Wow. Yeah, um, I, was, I was like looking at it, and I was like, "Huh,
2: that's fun." I know. Uh, this is the first episode of the eighty-seven series to not feature April.
3: I noticed that. That's wild. Also, like, I
2: noticed she wasn't in the episode, but I didn't know this was the first one.
3: Yeah, it seems like like how have they shoehorned her shoehorned her into every other episode? Like, yeah, like because like, I can think of some of them. Like, I don't think April was in that, but she had to have been somewhere, right? Now that I
0: think about it, like, that probably, I don't know, that probably is part of the strength of this episode and part of, not because, you know, I'm not saying that, like, oh, man, April sucks, but, like, sometimes it is good to have the turtles on their own adventure without the humans or, you know, without, without like, their their allies, uh, and it's just them, uh, you know, because that's, that's who this series really is about, but also it can allow you to be able to tell more story about the turtles and not have to bounce around between a B plot. You know, the B plot does not always strengthen the episode.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, the series is finally kind of getting away from like the turtles are sitting around and April comes on TV, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. Um. Also, well,
2: that's ironic like, because that happens in the third episode, but I know.
3: Yeah. Uh. So shredder is in this, but Krang is not, and neither is bebop or rocksteady. And I don't you know like, if, if that's a first that, Shredder has been in it, but not Krang or Bebop and Rocksteady.
1: Yeah.
2: Like that, like this is, it, it almost feels like this is shredders, like just planned by himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he's great at it. I love it. Yeah. Like this is, this isn't bad. <laughs> um, and, and there's like, it, it's a lot, there's a lot of cool like callbacks in this episode, like Shaban Osama, um, who we haven't seen or like heard mentioned in a long time. And it's like, that is a good pull. Um, Hamato Koji and Oroku Sancho, their character designs are based on the original Hamato Yoshi and um, Rokusaki from yeah. you know from the first season.
3: Yeah, that was a cool, cool detail.
2: Like uh, even the uh, the emblem that's on Splinter's robes, the little like three circles, uh, Hamato Koji is wearing that too like on his robes. Um, I just, I thought it was, I just thought that was really neat. Um, Cause there's a lot of like cool things. And so this episode like has a lot of problems with it too, but like a lot of those like little callbacks are really neat. Um, and I, I, I especially love that they
3: uh,
2: are doing the last name before the first name.
3: Yeah. They're like doing they're, it right. Instead of like his brother.
2: Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Schrader's brother, excuse me.
2: Yeah, so I, I I like that they got it right here.
3: So I found another like review of this on on the website Adventures in Poor Taste, and uh, the guy reviewing it is actually the same guy that does TMNT Entity, which is a great website. Oh, cool. Uh, Into comics, but he apparently can read Japanese, and he said this is like the first episode where like all of the all of the markings on the walls and stuff are actual, like, letters and words instead of just, like, scribbles. So, like, I don't know what it was, but, like, the production quality of this episode is, like, way better than anything else.
2: Yeah. Um, and I'm going to get into that in, in the later section, too. So. Uh, cool. But, yeah.
0: to talk about uh, convicts from Dimension X, then?
2: Convicts from Dimension X. Uh, so the first appearance of Skarg and Dementor.
0: Yeah, they were in that Mutant Madness game.
3: They're one of those yeah. characters that when I saw them, I was like, who are these guys? Now I know. And I know. here
2: and here we are. We finally got to them.
3: And Dementor specifically is voiced by Tony Jay, I was, who will yep. be Dreg in the future.
2: Uh, but also just Tony Jay, a fantastic voice actor, passed away in 2006, but just yeah. uh, so many
3: cool voices. Uh, Dimension X, but no, no Krang and no Shredder in this one. I thought oh, that also, was really weird. It it was really weird. I mean, like, it, it was cool. really
2: because like Dimension when X. even when it was like zooming in on the prison, I was like, oh, like we're gonna see some neutrinos, and it's like we see a bunch of new aliens that we've never seen. So it's like it, it, they're from Dimension X, but like uh, I guess they're from a different planet in Dimension X.
0: Yeah, I mean, it like, took seven seasons. But we got to have Dimension X be more fleshed out than just being a place that Shredder, Krang, and Neutrinos are from.
1: <laughs> I mean, there
2: was fair. that one
0: episode
3: where they went to the Fight Club. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh
2: yeah, with with Hans and Hans and Fritz. No, yes, there was, was
3: another one. There was another one where it was uh, like two of the turtles and then Irma and Irma, yeah, April they, and Vernon got pulled. Yeah, through. they're on the so Dimension Astroid. X story. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The
3: Pleasure Dome. Place. Yes, the Pleasure Dome. That's what it was called. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Interesting
0: name. But yeah.
1: <laughs> I,
2: I didn't know where to put uh, No, actually, no, I, I know where to put it. I'm going to save it for later. Um,
3: Is it that we learned that Mikey wears underwear in this episode?
2: No, I feel like we've known that. Have we? I, I, feel, like, I feel like we've seen their boxer shorts before. Not on them, but I feel like we've seen them.
3: It was news to me,
2: but at least. Uh, yeah, but least yeah, other than too. that, I don't have much. Like Skark and Dementor don't show up again. Um, i to and, and the Dregma brothers don't show up again either.
3: Mm-mm. Cool. White belt, black heart. Yeah, white belt, black heart. Um, Yoku is voiced by Brian Tochi, who was Leonardo in the first three live action movies.
0: Oh. Yeah,
2: I thought that was really, I was like listening to the voice and I didn't even think it was him. Like, I thought it was Cam Clark. But yeah, yeah no, Brian Tochi, who, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that an Asian American actor has played an Asian character in this show.
0: Yeah, it
3: probably is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And so, so I think, yeah.
2: I uh, it's the first one, cause I know we bring it up every time and I'm going to bring it up again in anchovies, <laughs> but uh because Koji, but I, yeah, I think this is the first time that has happened in this show.
0: This is also the first time I think we see splinters master, right? Master Mogosan.
2: I I, it's the first time we see this master. Cause remember we saw the one in the, in heroes and a half or uh turtle tracks. Yes, um,
0: but like, that's like some like bigger official, like coming to see everyone. And so then they, and they say, throw the bum out. And anyway.
2: Well, I mean, yeah. And and so it's, it's fair to assume that is their master. Fair enough. Um, so this is the first time that we've seen or even heard of this master. And it's very much a different character. Does that original yeah. one look, look like Pat Morita? This one. yeah. I don't know what's
3: going on with his head. Yeah. This episode really brings in some continuity issues. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think it is the first time we've seen like specifically Splinter's master. I think he did refer to him back in like sort of Eri Kama, Like he, he mentions that that sword used to be his masters, hmm. but um, I don't think he, I don't think he actually name dropped him.
2: Yeah, because this is the first time I've I remember hearing about Mogu-san.
3: Yeah. I also wonder if this episode
0: was influenced by issue nine of the original comics where you have the old man who like contacts splinter with you know you know over the, the astral plane kind of thing like through brain contact and then you know possesses splinter to go find his grandson to pass on the spirit oh yeah of, uh, yeah Gosei, oh, God. yeah like this this kind of this reminds me of that it feels similar uh, you know i mean granted it's it's still different the plots are kind of so close to each other that I'm inclined to believe that it was inspired by that issue.
2: I mean, I, it's fair to say like they might've taken some cues from it. I mean that, that is that it, it is awfully convenient that that is a story like I, cause we, we talked about how like good these episodes have been so far and how like we've said a couple times how close these episodes have kind of felt like mirage.
0: Yeah, it feels a that little like, bit closer.
2: Spirit, so it kind of feels like they're now they're kind of like here we are in season seven, and now they're finally like okay, like let's start kind of picking more from those comics
1: mm-hmm.
2: and see what, and see what we can adapt. It's uh, like there's no confirmation that these are actual adaptations, but yeah, I think I think we're all kind of onto something here. Yeah. Uh, apparently, this is the last episode. The James Avery plays Shredder. Oh wow!
3: Oh no, he. No, he passed away much later. He did. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. No, uh, he so wonder, he left. He left the show. He was he was one of the first original actors to leave the show, because I think by the Red Sky seasons, Rob Paulson stops playing Rath and Barry Gordon stops playing Donatello and Bebop.
3: Oh wow. Hmm. I wonder what what caused it. Maybe the Fresh Prince was taken off.
2: Uh. I mean, it might have been Fresh Prince. It might have been. Um, yeah, you know, they just probably just wanted to work on something else. Yeah, you know, who knows?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they would have been on it for. I mean, it's the longest running. It was the longest running cartoon until The Simpsons, I think, passed it or whatever else it was. Yeah,
2: uh, no, Flint. I mean, Flintstones still had
0: it beat. Really? Because I'm pretty sure I I thought I read somewhere that like Ninja Turtles for a little while was the longest running show or like had the most episodes, like the longest
3: cartoon. It's or, it's like, also yeah. like how they they qualify it. Like the Flintstones might have had more episodes or more seasons, but also it wasn't a Saturday morning cartoon. So it could be that it was the longest running Saturday morning cartoon or something. Maybe. Yeah. Either way. One hundred and ninety eight episodes is nothing to. Uh, yeah.
0: You know, nothing to shrug at.
2: So well, nowadays it's not even in the top 10.
0: Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's I, plenty that have ran for a yeah, very long time. Yeah.
2: Arthur. I'm looking at the list on movie <laughs> on movieweb dot com. As of last year, Arthur, American Dad, Fairly Odd Parents, uh, oh, wow. which I didn't realize had that many cartoons. I didn't realize um,
3: American Dad did.
2: Uh, family Guy, Looney Tunes. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't count that. Not in the Not in this context. Uh, SpongeBob, obviously. Pokemon, obviously. South Park and The
3: Simpsons. Um, original Flintstones was only on for six seasons.
2: But yeah, and The, the Simpsons had like. Or the, the, the Flintstones had the longest running animated sitcom.
3: Yeah, and, I, I, be and how you qualify it, yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm sad to see James Avery go. I, I do know that Rob Paulson left over uh, pay, but I don't know what James Avery reason. Uh, the
2: 1987 series has 193 total episodes over 10 seasons. Uh, followed by the 2003 series for eight seasons and 155 episodes.
0: Eight seasons?
2: That's what Wikipedia lists. Eight seasons.
0: and seven seasons.
2: I, I, that's what Wikipedia lists.
3: Well, Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, come to bed. I can't. Someone on the internet is wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hang on. <laughs>
0: and also, I'm pretty
3: sure that uh, the yeah. series has 198
0: episodes. The, the 87 one does every single like list of episodes I've looked at. I'm pretty sure it says 100. Okay.
2: Okay. So that page I was on was wrong. The actual 2003, uh, wiki page on Wikipedia says seven seasons.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. All right.
2: They might, they might be counting the shorts
0: and they, turtles forever. They could be, they could be counting that weird little when shorts you, thing. that was a toy advertisement yeah. that happened during commercial breaks 13 and- episodes. That was awful. Oh, it is 193 episodes of the 87 series. I don't know. I had 198 in my head. Yeah, I've also seen it.
2: You mean we get to stop early?
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, five more episodes, five, 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 fewer episodes to watch.
2: Oh, God, thank
3: you. Yeah, it could have gotten like one, like last push for seven more episodes, make it a nice round 200.
2: Oh, well. Whoa. I didn't realize that all of 2003, every episode There's only ever been two directors.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Roy Burdine and uh, the other guy.
2: Uh, Chuck Patton.
3: Yeah. Chuck Patton. Huh. Interesting. Roy Burdine's done some some other really good work. All right. We should probably get into anchovies, right?
0: No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble.
2: Okay. I call Legend of (laughs) Koji. Okay. So Legend of Koji, uh, unfortunately continues the trend of really kind of iffy racist stereotypes mm-hmm. as good as this episode, was at nailing a lot of stuff like the Japanese text and the continuity. Um, every Japanese character in this episode is not played by a Japanese or Asian actor. Yeah. And so I feel like some of the Oroku guards kind of, uh, kind of veer into that stereotypical kind of races caricatures, you know, with buck teeth and the Fu Manchu mustaches.
0: Well, when you got to draw like, you know, 50 of them, you're going to run out of looks for the face, right?
2: Well, I mean, it's yeah. like, I'm, we'll I'm just, talking about like, I'm talking one about the four, one
3: and copy it nine times.
2: I'm talking about like the four, <laughs> the four main guards.
3: Yeah. No, like, absolutely. Uh, it just,
2: something about them just really just did not feel right. Um, especially like the way they were talking, and uh, yeah, like they come off really icky. Um, mm-hmm. which, which is just it's unfortunate because this is such a good episode. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just horribly unfortunate. Like even the, even the, uh, the geisha women, um, you know, that the one, the only one that speaks is, is Renee Jacobs. Mm-hmm. You know, so even though April's not in this episode. At least Renee was, but
1: <laughs> would have been nice if she wasn't that.
3: Yeah. Uh, um. Let's see. Most of my anchovies are around, like the fact that spreader didn't just use like his high tech weapons to go ahead and just take over the past. Um, yeah, like
2: I don't, I don't particularly get the pretending to be Oroku Sancho.
3: Well, especially because he's like, I'll have to impersonate my ancestor, and then he. Ties him up, throws them in the closet, puts on his armor, runs outside and says to everyone, I just beat up your master and threw him in, in the closet. Come with me to find these artifacts. It's like no, he's, no, he Why said he says, and like,
2: he says I beat up the imposter.
3: Oh. oh, I missed that. OK, yeah, he's no, he's he's he had, <laughs> he's, he's double he, double crossing them.
2: Yeah, he's very much pretending because he because he when he throws them in there, he's like, I'm doing
0: this for you. Ah, OK. Mm. Um, That's so,
3: yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. the foot soldiers had mouths I found that disturbing as well I, I, I don't like, like it I don't
2: yeah. like that uh, yeah. I don't like that Sancho is a Japanese name
0: yeah like Sancho Panza, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's
2: very much like, and it's like you got you you get so much right in this episode, and it's like you trip up over like the stupid cartoon things that you do in that in the early eighties, and it's like, ugh, come
3: on, yeah. Very good episode that just parts didn't age well,
0: right? Well, you know, it's it's not American, right? So it's all the same, obviously.
3: Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> I told that teacher lady the only letters I need to learn are the U, S, and A. Yeah,
2: like, other other than that stuff, like this is still a good episode, but it's like it just a lot of it is just not aged.
3: But yeah, if you time. if you like turn a blind eye to that, I I think it's a very good episode. But yeah, yeah, yeah it, it is like, very like. like
2: yeah. narratively it is a very good
0: episode
3: yes yeah that's a good way of putting narrative.
0: production quality like uh, you know everything Yeah, like the that
2: animation way. is i mean i mean we're getting into the next section but yeah it's like, yeah we got
0: <laughs> yeah uh, you're back you're back, back. <laughs> yeah like
2: yeah we'll go back uh, bad stuff bad stuff bad oh stuff. man man um, all this stuff so, so you, called it, you uh, it it's written like this in in the turtle uh entry um so i know why you read it but it's the nojima blade not the nomi blade oh uh, okay yeah, i read that
0: wrong then i
2: know was... no, i know it's it's there in the in the thing because like i remember when you got to that part i had to like scroll back up and read it and i was like wait a minute
0: this is this is why i like summarizing them myself you know i, no, no I pros, agree no problems any issues that's, are my own
2: that's why i try to i try to change the the reading to make it flow a little bit better and also correct some stuff um i should just go in here and
3: edit these pages too Dude. Uh, a short list of trivia I haven't appreciated that you can go through and delete?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you <laughs> can also, yeah, no, we can definitely do that. Um, I don't. I just the Shredder's helmet doesn't look anything, also like Oroku uh, Sancho's.
3: Yeah, looks, yeah. They it keep saying it's like a it's an imitation, but like it's very much different.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, other than being gray and like being a typical samurai helmet. It's not really like you wouldn't confuse the two.
3: Yeah. What was the name of his helmet? The Kabuto or something?
1: It's like the Kuro Kabuto.
3: Kuro Kabuto. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like,
1: were
2: years before that is is a thing.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, like that's that's not established to be like Shredder's helmet until like the 2012 series.
3: All right. Are we good also to move the Kuro on Kabuto? To...
1: Is, the Kuro Kabuto is uh, Usopp's slingshot from One Piece. Oh, ah.
0: hmm, interesting. Well, we think we're good to talk about episode seventeen, Convicts from Dimension X. Now,
2: Uh this episode got boring to the point where I fell asleep. I was watching it last night, <laughs> and then i fell I fell asleep in the middle of it. Uh, and yeah. then I woke up. I woke up in the middle of White Blackheart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it did kind of slow down quite a bit, and I feel like it took forever for them to like finally meet the turtles. Like, yeah, it... kind of had
3: these separate plots that were going on until they finally fought each well, other. And they they meet the turtles, and then they just like show up in their lair. and like like they didn't follow them as far as I could tell. They were just like we got to go to the turtles' place because they have a portal generator. It's like how'd you know that? I also, think they're they're both super scrolls, which seems a little overpowered. Um, yeah,
2: like, like they have, they have like such weirdly defined powers and it's like they, they don't really need earth weapons, especially yeah. like I, it was funny because they, they go they they, they get there and they're like, oh, this stuff is so primitive. um And like they, then they go to the weapons shop and they're like, oh, earth weapons. And then all of a sudden, like one of them is like a heat ray. Yeah, and it's like, why are they selling them at a, at a corner store weapons shop?
0: It's America.
3: Yeah, but I told the teacher, "The only colors yes. I need to learn are red, white, and blue."
2: Like, like, what is this? Like RoboCop Detroit,
3: right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I love. I don't love. I kind of hate entirely. That at the end, they're like, conditions need to be the same as they were when these convicts arrived to send them back to Dimension X. And they're all worried about this little lady with a puppy. But, like, there wasn't four mutant turtles in a hover tank when they first arrived here from Dimension X. Like, yeah, like... Yeah, like, why, why was that such a big deal?
2: That that was such a weirdly arbitrary rule
3: that kind of came out of
2: nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, another thing, another also thing going why is back the, to the... Oh, go ahead.
0: Another thing going back to, like, the, the, the Earth tech being primitive is, like, they go and, like, they, they see a video store. There are video cameras and everything there that they see and they say how it's primitive. So obviously they kind of recognize this stuff or what it is, but then they keep viewing April's camera as a weapon.
2: Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Make up your mind on this.
0: Yeah. Like, like, is it primitive and they understand exactly what it is and they're like, Oh man, this stuff's old or is it all just completely foreign to them? Like, anyway, to me that just felt weird.
1: No, you. I mean, it, yeah, it is weird. Anyway, that was it. Just the, the, the Irma, the Irma Vernon stuff just
2: was like, it was funny at first. And then it just like, I didn't need to keep checking in with them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They didn't need to go at all. Did they? I mean, it didn't add anything to the plot. Well, it wasn't
2: wasn't that, wasn't that the switch? Like that kind of implies of the switch that we were just talking about. That wasn't explained, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like explained that those that Irma and Vernon went to the jail because they were physically replacing uh dementor and um skarg like it 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 didn't the show didn't explain that that's why that happened so it's like yeah but but i i get it
3: Which i mean be i i, I could past, just be
2: implying that too like you know hindsight but
3: like that episode where uh baxter becomes the fly they do explain that like in that one instance they needed to send two people each way to like mm-hmm. keep the balance or whatever. Yeah. But most of the time they don't need to do that. And here they didn't explain that that's what had to happen. Now so now they've it. sent a whole Technodrome forward and back and it's never caused any problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady every weekend. <laughs> yeah, like
2: multiple. And it's like, yeah. and, and this was like, and this is Donatello's teleporter,
3: right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which so makes a, a portal in the middle, like Like, it's always been a big screen, and now it's like this, like, box that makes a portal just anywhere.
2: Well, it's the portable portal generator.
3: Yeah, but it's like because it's, it's, it's on wheels now. It's yeah, on it's, wheels. Right. it's on wheels. But it's not even like like they're in like Times Square when the portal opens, but Donatello's still in the sewer. Yeah, it's like it but, but what portal was, anywhere.
2: But I was what I was gonna say, like it it's Donatello's portable portal generator. Like we've seen this work before. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Hokum Hare episodes when they travel to the fairy tale dimension. You know, like they didn't have to pull two people from there. Holcomb lives with them for, you know, a certain amount of time before he goes back. Yeah. Like they, it's, and like Usagi, Usagi comes to this dimension too. They don't send anybody to his dimension, like as a replacement.
3: And we also never see him go back. So it's possible. We, we still also, there somewhere yeah. Out it's here. possible.
2: He is still here in this dimension. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, just, for for as much of the cool continuity stuff the last episode did, like it, it feels weird jumping to this one.
3: Yeah, yeah, this one and the next one, just like the continuity issues are just ravenous. Yeah.
2: So yeah, uh, yeah let's get into that other, next one.
3: The other thing okay. I didn't like from Convent,
0: just the last thing I didn't like from comments, uh oh, *Convicts* of Dimension X, is the alien voice effect. It made it really hard to like hear and understand them, like Dementor I... and. Yeah. It's
1: they day. sounded
2: like, yeah i li- I liked it. they sounded they sounded cool and unique. like it made me like, oh, like these are new voice actors, or at least one of them was
0: Yes, like it, it does do that, but like I don't know, maybe it's just because of the time period. like I just feel like they haven't quite figured out how to use those kind of effects or like like have mm. developed them enough to make it so that what they're saying still sounds clear and uh I don't know, it also just made their voice quieter. And so it's like I can either like crank up my TV and annoy my neighbors or I can just, you know,
3: try really hard to understand what they're saying. Neighbors know. are a dime a dozen. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for a White Belt, Black Heart? Now we're ready for White Belt, Black Heart. Is
2: anybody ready for White Heart, Black, whatever? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so many continuity issues in, in this. But like right out of the gate. Yeah. It's like, like we, need, we need a gang of ninjas. It's like you have the whole... <laughs> Freaking foot clan, what? <laughs> you have robots, specially trained robots.
2: <laughs> they very specifically mentioned that uh, Yoku comes over to America with Hamato Yoshi, and that it was two years ago.
3: And uh, it's like, I don't know that he came over with Hamato Yoshi, but
2: yeah, well, that's what Splinter says. Like, he came over with me two years
3: ago. Oh, I thought he was just sent afterwards. Either way, that doesn't make any sense. Splinter's been it, here for at least 15 years, right?
2: I mean, the turtles have at least been turtles for a, a few years.
3: Yeah.
1: Like, canonically, we, uh, we have seen Michelangelo's birthdays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so.
3: Yeah. And, like, so... So Yoku clearly knows the turtles and the, cl- the turtles clearly know him, right? And they've only ever lived in the one sewer layer, so like, why do they blindfold him to take him to the sewer layer? Does, shouldn't he know where they live?
2: Well, I mean, I did Yoku... I don't think Yoku's ever been down there.
3: But how do you train with Splinter if he's never been down there?
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, I, think he, like, they're, I think they're, they're positing that he, that he lived and trained with Hamato Yoshi. And then, and then like he was turned into, uh, and then he was turned into the rat because like Mogu even like very specifically is, is like, uh, he's like, he's like, what happened to you?
3: Yeah. But Yoku is not, which makes me think that he was being trained while Splinter was a rat. He's not like, he's not confused about the turtles at all either. Hmm. See, that's what I'm saying like this episode, like continuity-wise, is just all over the place. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, I got nothing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to put it together. I'm like, this is just this this is such nonsense that like Shredder has the gang steal maps of nuclear missile silos in the US, and he winds up in the Gobi Desert, which is in the middle of Asia. Like
2: Yeah, it's like Shredder, did you look at the map before you teleported away? And,
3: and how did he get there? And also, I was in Dimension X a long time. I forgot what Earth looked like. And also, like exactly, yeah, like it's it's just like the the right hand's not talking to the left hand in this episode, you know.
2: And also, like, I don't think the U.S. military is going to keep the secret locations of all of our nuclear silos on pirate
3: maps. <laughs> Like, and all of them in one place
2: <laughs> and all and all of them. Yeah. Like in an easily like stealable location, like, yeah, come on. But, but that also kind of plays into like shredder just canonically being stupid.
3: Yeah. Why do they even need the missiles? I
0: don't, it I don't need, doesn't matter.
2: I don't, yeah. I don't think, it, I don't think, it, I don't think that matters. I think it's more, you know, shredder just trying to do his own thing.
3: Yeah. Um. Let's see. I got, I got two more for you. This this episode sees the turtles beaten by spilled peas on the floor. Yeah. Um, I mean,
2: haven't we all been?
3: Yeah, true. And then... We, we um, watch... Go ahead. Oh, we we just watched Shredder pee on the
0: floor. But... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that joke, that joke belongs bah- in
3: anchovies. It does. That's why it's here. That's why it's the segment. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, what did... What did Yoku gain by lying to Splinter and the Turtles? Couldn't he have just been like, hey, I'm undercover?
2: Yeah, like, I, there, there's not really a reason for him to be undercover, because it's like, it's not like the Turtles are, you know, I mean, we know they're public figures, but it's, but it's not like they're going around, like, telling people stuff. Like, they're not doing interviews. They're, like, they're, there's not really a way for them to, you know, blab that information. Yeah. So it's really it's really weird that he would lie to them. Like I get maybe not telling Mogo. Like okay. I get maybe tell not telling him. But yeah, it's it's just
1: really like hmm.
3: It's a very contrived conflict.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, I got I got nothing on that. Um Mogu very uh specifically says that he um that he sailed there from japan i don't know of any sailing
2: <laughs> routes to new york from japan
3: yeah <laughs> he just went around iceland I, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like
2: i don't yeah i don't feel like that's a there's a very direct route that you can and go on you to the
3: panama canal Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah when he just, can't afford a plane. Just take you know nine weeks on a ship.
2: <laughs> it, yeah, it just it just feels weird that yeah that he like um, it just feels it just feels really weird that he like did that. It reminds me, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Surf Ninjas. I have um, not seen Surf Ninjas. Oh, it's one of my f- all time favorite nineties movies.
3: With um, uh, with Ah, uh, um, uh, yeah,
2: with er- Ernie Reyes uh, Jr. Ernie Ray- yeah and senior uh and my buddy Nick Cowan, who plays the younger brother um the <laughs> there's there's a part in the map there's there's a part where they're sailing to like their home country um and like it it's it's one of those scenes where it's like it's a, it's a they're looking at the map and they're like they have like a little ship that they're like pulling along their route but they're like the the movie takes place in california like they they are very much like Beach kids, um, uh, like Southern California surfers, and it's just funny because like the boat starts on the East Coast, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when they, when they start dragging the map and it goes through the Panama Canal. So,
1: I just
0: thought that was funny. Um, uh, my my only, ad, well, like I guess not my only one, but I guess my big one that I have for this episode is that like they can't trust April. Like they're straight up like, yeah, yeah this like- thing's kind of private you know, we don't want this going out. And she's straight up just like, I got to figure out what my friends, the turtles are up to, like,
2: which also like, kind of a dick move on April's part. Like, I mean, everybody, everybody in this episode is kind of needlessly a dick to each other. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's no yep. heroes in this episode. Like, yeah, there's
2: other thing, other than Koji maybe, or, uh, Yoku. Yeah. But, um, it, it, it was really weird that like everybody just kind of didn't trust anybody. And it's like that kind of created more problems because like if you just said, hey, April, like we need you to kind of hang back. We'll tell you later. And I get April's like intrepid news reporter instincts made her like want to get the story. But that also kind of makes her kind of a jerk in this one, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like my thing where I like talked about before where sometimes it's like April is just like looking to exploit the turtles more than like she's actually just their friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and this yeah, and this is
2: very much this is very much an episode where that is the case.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who is, who is the bank guy? Do I even I don't name? rem
2: I don't remember him <laughs> from the episode, uh, but his name was Mister Crocker.
3: Okay, I he, that was another like pointless part of this episode. I'm like, what? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, have we have we done enough anchovies? Or are we for We've got enough yeah? Anchovies.
2: Let's do some good stuff love being a turtle so yeah nice. legend of koji just a great episode
3: yeah, It might be like the, go ahead it's one of the best episodes of this series for sure i was gonna say the same yeah like i mean in a long time this like this is almost like an issue of the idw comic like a little more cartoony of course but mm-hmm.
2: i mean i would like i said this feels like an episode or an issue of mirage like it's yeah. that good.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I like it. It's a good time travel story for the most part. Like, it's it's definitely better than TMNT3, which, that's not a very high bar.
2: <laughs> I mean, watch it, buddy.
3: It also, it, like, it, it starts and Shredder has already kind of won. Like, it's not like they're all finding this out at the same time. It's like Shredder has already made the time machine. He's His plan is in motion. Like, he's very competent in this episode. It makes him a bunch better villain than most of the rest of the season.
2: Yeah. And, and I think, familiar. I think that's part of like, what is so appealing about this episode? Cause it like, it already starts when Shredder is one, like you said, um, like he's, he, he's already built the time machine. He's already got it installed in the museum, which kind of weird that he installed it there, but Like
3: that's where the power source was, right? He took that gem out of the eagle or whatever.
2: But he like pulls it. It's like a gem. He pulls it out of the exhibit and then plugs it in. It's like, why don't you just take it a little bit further and take it to like you know, the technodrome?
3: Right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But then. Mike, then we want to get those foot soldiers dressed up as cops, which was adorable. I loved which it. Which was
2: really adorable.
3: Um, I <laughs> Until didn't... they had mouths. Until they had yeah, mouths. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. well, the bad if... part was they only had mouths when they were screaming in death, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Which makes me wonder if those were actually robots. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Just guys wearing bombs. Just guys, yeah, just guys wearing bombs.
2: <laughs> but um, the uh, ultimate. Uh, foot soldier figure that came out from NECA that those they came with like little police hats so I kind of hope that was a nod to this episode
0: yeah and you know I I will always love the bringing future weapons to the past trope Uh, I don't know going back in the past with your future weapons to dominate and have everyone be like oh man this guy's in charge Uh, I don't know I just think it's a good way to to use time travel for like the villain
2: I didn't mention this in the last section but It is it is kind of funny that the movie that they were watching at the beginning where Leo gets like obsessed with that sword twirling trick to cut all the other swords, like Mm -hmm. all the characters in that movie they were watching are all of the characters in the past.
3: Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, (laughs) my goldfish brain kind of immediately like all of
2: those. Yeah, like (laughs) Hamato Koji is the one who does the the sword trick and then like all of the guards he does that sword trick to are all of
1: the Oroku guards. Oh, hmm. Curious.
3: curious. So
1: I just thought that, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, but that but
2: the, this is kind of a general one for the, for these three episodes, but, um, the, the animation in these episodes were also really good. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I, I looked up the studio and I forgot it. I think it was like Daiwan studios. um, but yeah, like the animation in these were really good, a lot better than we've seen uh, before, at least yeah. at least for like the later seasons. And like it feels like for the first time, like a lot of these characters were on model.
3: Yeah, stumbles uh, a bit. Keith,
2: Keith has corrected me questions. and sent a picture from when the uh, foot soldiers were wearing security guard ha- hats and uh, turtle tracks.
3: Yes, uh, I, I think the animation stumbles a bit on convicts from dimension x but there's a lot of like leo talking from Raph's body but like the other two episodes well
2: uh, so yeah, so when i see the kind of when i see the animation out, right? I mean, when i say the animation i mean like the characters are all on model uh they're all talking where the coloring and the sound come in that's where things kind of do fall apart because there's a
0: lot of that yeah um, but there's straight up like an all-out battle in number 16 like in legend of koji like you've got Splinter, Koji, and the Turtles fighting against Shredder, and you know the Oroku Men. Like yeah. you've got them like in an all-out brawl, like actually fighting in this, and it, it's really entertaining to watch. And there's a lot of characters all moving and fighting and doing things.
2: Yeah, like the like the sword fight when like Leo's like I'm gonna go try the sword, you know, waving trick. Like mm-hmm. that was actually like really cool watching him do it. And, and all the mm-hmm. turtles are like, oh yeah, like that, like they'd been giving him crap about it. Like, oh, that doesn't really work. And then he goes and does it immediately. And it's like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a stuff. good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing that this one didn't require him to uh, get over his fear of snakes. Yeah. It, or, <laughs> <laughs> he's able to solve it do it really quickly. But yeah, just
1: really, just a really, really
2: good episode. Re- solid start to this trilogy. Yeah. Uh, Converse from Dimension X. It it's it's it, it's a neat premise, and it, it's nice that it's like we did get Dimension X kind of fleshed out. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, like I I kind of like Skargen Dementor. Uh, you know, if they wanted to like throw them dur- in during a Dimension X story and in uh the IDW comics, I wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah, if they haven't way. already showed up, I might, I might've missed them. <laughs> I <laughs> Actually, wouldn't. Did.
2: Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to them appearing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, easily they could be another, another villain or something in those stories.
3: Well, like why? I mean, I feel like the, their story there, like why are they even convicts? How, how is that prison even holding them when they could just like walk through walls? Yeah. 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 It, it's cool a special look. prison. Yeah. Cool designs though. I,
2: I it's like, a dimension X prison.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, also, it just has a different plot than than a usual Ninja Turtles episode. I feel like it just it just felt really different. And so, well, I
2: mean, like we we have we have like you know, bad guy aliens coming to Earth like stories. Like we just had the Triceratons last week. That's like,
3: true, but it wasn't it, like stuffed with three other plots like that one was. But yeah, like this,
2: yeah. it it was nice to be able to just focus on this. And it's like, yeah, like the Irma and Vern stuff. Um, was kind of annoying but it at least like it, it informed the the main plot like it wasn't just a random b plot it was a consequence that happened because of the a plot
0: yeah so right. and, and so the other thing about it is just that like some of these episodes in season seven it's like they've written the best version of i guess some of the tropey episodes you'll see earlier on in this series. Yeah. You know, it's like how, uh, what was it? A couple weeks ago that was like the Our best Child. version of the Grybix. Uh, what the was Star it? Child. Yeah, the Star Child. You know, like that was like the best possible version of the Grybix plot. You know, this one is the best possible of like alien invaders that aren't crying. Uh, I mean, at least out of the ones we've seen so far. Granted, those ones haven't been usually as, as strong of episodes, but.
2: What was, what was that one? how oh. It was, a, um, God, what was her name that were like Krang knew her? Cause he stole her ring.
0: Oh yeah. Shrika. Shrika. Shrieka. Revenge. That one actually is uh, a better version.
2: Like, yeah, like this, it, I, I almost kind of wish Krang had known about Skarg and Dementor. But also like, oh, like, it was nice. It was nice not having Krang and Shredder in this episode. So
0: yeah, that's the thing is like it. Well, having some of those ties can make a story more interesting. At the same time, sometimes it's like it's it's time we branch out and uh, have something else, you know? Yeah. It, but then again, it won't repeat, just like many other one-off villains that have appeared in the series. But...
1: but, yeah. All right. Are we ready to
0: round this out with White Belt, Black Heart? Yeah, so there's lots of awesome action in this one. You got people actually kicking people, actually punching people. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more of that in this season in general, and I kind of, I kind of like it. You know, it's it's not all just the uh, you know make a, a
3: a bunch of barrels fall and roll and, and hit people. You know, yeah,
2: like yeah, I,
3: I mentioned this last week that I saw that interview with David Wise where he was saying he was trying to make it more of an action series when he came back as story editor. I, I think this is the season he was referring to. Um, there's a por- part in this where Splinter says that humans are like onions because they have many layers. Mm-hmm. That's probably yeah, more of a second time around kind of thing, but he
2: was, uh, well, I mean, he was quoting Shrek, you know? Right, right, yeah.
3: right. Um, I do like that the, the paralyzed Ray has an unparalyzed option.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that was very nice and very convenient. Yeah. Just, then... just in case you accidentally paralyze yourself. Right,
0: <laughs> yeah, or or your friend, you know, like or your
2: friend, yeah, I don't right, like right.
0: all paralyzer rays should have an unparalyze option, you know, like you can detain someone, and then you know once once like the proper authorities have come to take them away, you can unparalyze
3: them. Yeah, right. A permanent paralyzed ray seems like a permanent solution to a very temporary problem. Yeah, um, and frankly, a gun will do that just as well as a paralyzer. Yeah. Ray. It, um, Splinter's trench coat and fedora combo is awesome and i would love to see a spin-off of this show where he's just like solving mysteries in that that combo, right i think
2: i thought it was funny that he was like it's been so long since i've been you know to the surface you know styles have changed and it's like this is literally what you know the turtles wear
3: all the time well he's been to the surface so many times
2: (laughs) and yeah and he has been to the surface very he was he was just in europe
3: Yeah, they they've waltzed around in their normal clothes, like on the streets.
2: Yeah, it's three a, episodes
3: ago, he walked down the street to a spaceship. Like, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it's just funny.
0: Well, is that it then?
2: I think that is everything I've got for these episodes. So, like we said, three really good episodes for season seven. I'm I'm kind of excited to see if the rest of the season holds up because we got three bangers in the next episode or the next.
0: Episode. Yeah, we've got we got like Night of the Rogues popping up and uh, escape from the Planet of the Kirk Savage. Yeah. Returned Those are all Fly. coming up in, in the next you know, the next. What is it? There's six like is there no, there's there's like there's 12 episodes left. Yeah.
3: I think it's nine. There's like nine episodes left. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's one of these called Just Combat Land, which sounds awesome. Anyway, so anyway, right yeah. the news?
1: let's uh
2: let's get into the news.
3: This is April O'Neill of Channel Six. So thankfully,
2: not a ton happened while we were gone. Uh, just a couple, few uh mentions. Uh, Empire Magazine, the very big entertainment magazine, um, did a little interview with Jeff Rowe, uh, the director of the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, uh, where the they showcased an exclusive new um, screenshot from the movie, like showing the four turtles in Mutant Mayhem, but like specifically with like with the white eyes that they would sometimes get in the 2012 series, which is really cool and. Hopefully that is something like I really hope that is something that like carries through future versions. Like Rise did it a couple times. Like you know, twenty twelve very specifically had that when you know the action started. Um, I would love to see that become a thing for the animated like all animated turtles coming going forward.
3: Get Um, the best of both worlds for people who like pupils and people who don't
2: yeah exactly um and then uh one of the biggest quotes that came out from it was jeff Rowe likened this movie kind of the tone to uh popular 80 80s movies like stand by me which if you are an 80s child of that era uh stand by me is a fantastic movie about four uh friends you know who find a dead body (laughs) but that's that's a plot point but it's it's more of a Coming of age, you know, drama, you know, about these four friends that are growing up. Uh, and if that's the tone that they can kind of go with in this movie, that that would be really cool for the start of this era of Turtles, I think. Ooh. Uh, yeah. next up, uh, bottleneck gallery. Um, so Pixel Dan, uh, I think I even retweeted his reveal, got to uh even reveal. Um, an upcoming figure from bottleneck gallery. Uh, they are specifically doing their own version of Peter Laird's first turtle. Um, which is really cool. Uh, unfortunately, by the time you hear this episode, it has already been sold out. It was limited to, you know, a, in different color ways. It was diff- It was limited to like 300 and 500 figures. Uh, so it is sold out as of now. Um, but it was, it is a really cool, uh, like seven inch tall, uh, statue based on peter laird's drawing now if you've been following that the collecting community you you'll remember a couple of years ago mondo did one based on kevin eastman's original uh st- original turtle sketch um the one that you can find on like you know if you go to kevin eastman studios he sells you know hats with it on it and stuff like that um but peter laird's original turtle sketch doesn't get nearly as much love as kevin's does so this is kind of really Notable that this is the first time that you can get something based on that. Um, so go check out Pixel Dan's video, um, Pixel Dan on YouTube. Uh, he has, like, they sent him, like, an early resin prototype, so he got to play with it and show you everything and show you how it, can, how it scales with that other one. It is, it's, it is sculpted by, like, the same people who did that one, so it is 100% made to match that one. So if you were lucky enough to get the, the Kevin Eastman first turtle a couple years ago, hopefully you got this one uh, to go with it.
3: They're both so cool and I'm just so poor.
2: Yeah, like they're they're really cool. And like for me, like I would have loved to get the, Ke- the Peter one, but it's like the fact that it's made to kind of go with that Kevin one and I'm never going to get that Kevin one now. You
1: really just, mm, wish I could. But I can't. Uh, And our last bit of news this week
2: uh, was kind of a big surprise for everyone. But uh, if you have an iPhone or uh, anything Apple, you can play a brand new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game that was a shadow dropped a couple days ago. Uh, So it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Splintered Fate. Uh, It is a roguelike game, which if you've never played a roguelike game, they are incredibly fun and incredibly frustrating the whole point of the game is that you're going to get a bunch of like power-ups. You're going to die and you're going to go to the beginning of that game again and start all over until you get further and further and further. Uh, if you've ever played Hades, which was a fantastic game that came out a couple years ago. Uh, this is very reminiscent of that. Uh, like from the tone, the music, the art style even feels a little similar
0: yeah, definitely as a game, uh, I would say play this one with sound on. Uh, it yeah, is. the music
2: is great. The It's fully voiced, too, which is yeah. very surprising. Um, it is an Apple Arcade exclusive, so you do need to have a subscription. Um, this game is free with that subscription. Um, I'm using my, my free Apple subscription because I never used it. Uh, so I'm using my one free month to get as far as I can in the game, and then I may... I may keep it for another month, but it's a $5 subscription. So it's not the end of the world and you get a bunch of other games to go with it. Um, But this is just very notable because like this game is so good and it's written by friend of the show, Tom Waltz uh, from IDW. Like this game is very heavily inspired by IDW. Like some of the designs are very much lifted directly from it. Like I was playing last night and they mentioned uh, Angel. Yeah, she...
0: (laughs) she I, appears you talked
2: i was i mean i would assume so like i haven't gotten yeah. to her yet like i keep dying at leatherhead um but like angel like spencer said shows up um leatherhead is leatherhead and slash are very much the idw versions yeah. um this game isn't set in idw we want to stress that um because a lot of this wouldn't make sense to fit in that continuity um but it is really cool having such a different game because um, we haven't had a you know ninja turtles roguelike before um and hades made me a fan of roguelikes so i'm very much like i'm i'm digging it so far
0: yeah like i i i really appreciate it for for that fact i'm not i'm not much of a mobile game player i'll usually get a mobile game and i will binge it really hard for like Probably about like a week or two, and then I'll drop it. Uh, so for me, after my, because I'm also using a free trial, after that expires, I'm probably done. I, I never play mobile games. And so to be paying $5 every month to not own a game, uh, you know, that I probably won't play that hard. I, I definitely won't be doing that.
2: Oh, remember, this might, I mean, there's more than just this game on Apple Arcade.
0: But yeah, like this but, but is... I, but I won't play them. That's the thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, I've I've already downloaded a couple of because I there was some that I already was interested in and I just didn't want to have an Apple Arcade account. And then this was what finally pushed me over. As a professional Ninja Turtle uh, person, I needed to play and review this. Um. So yeah, I like it a lot. I've died to Leatherhead twice. I've been playing it mostly like, as like you know, playing on my lunch and stuff like that. Playing it like w- right before bed. Um the controls are, I'm playing it on my iPhone 11. Um, the controls are a little, I don't like touchscreen controls, especially for, you know, button heavy games like this. Yeah. Um, it, it is a little awkward and you can hook up a controller to it. You can hook up a Bluetooth controller and I, and I'll probably try that at some point. Um, but yeah, like it's, I mean, if you have an Apple device and you have, you know, that arcade, uh, free trial, I think, I think you should try it. I think, yeah. I think it's worth, I think it's worth a shot, um, to have, to, have, to try this, um, because it's, it's fun.
0: Yeah. No, like it's, it's fun. It's got great fun dialogue as you play it. Like it can get a little repetitive, but then you can just switch to a different turtle and just kind of hear their dialogue right. instead. But they make like fun puns when you select certain like abilities for your character. Like if you select a shadow ability, sometimes Michelangelo says, "Call me Michelangimo," and uh, yeah. it, it's just funny. To
2: <laughs> yeah, like there's the little like the dialogue is really good. The voice acting is pretty good. Yeah, no, um, the voice acting's great. We don't know who has done the voice acting yet <laughs> because yeah. like there's no cast list online, which is annoying. Um, but it's, I this game like really does feel pretty good. Um, yeah
0: even, even gameplay wise and like running around and beating up foot to me, it's very reminiscent of the 2003 games that were coming out during that era based on that cartoon.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, yeah. And,
2: and like I said, like if you've played Hades, like this is very much Hades. Yeah. Like this is 100% that.
0: <laughs> yeah. My, my only complaints are the Apple arcade thing. I feel like that makes it it's not available to people who don't have Apple devices. And uh also, mm. it's I don't know. I just if you I don't know if you can just really justify paying for it for just one game that you don't even get to own.
2: I mean, uh, I mean, I would part of it's
3: the... spend like fifteen twenty bucks to get it on Switch or whatever, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah and so
3: the Apple Arcade thing is, is just such a barrier to me.
2: And yeah. and so Jason Jason from Turtle Recall and I we were talking about this on his news segment on Tuesday. Um. And we kinda got we kind of gotten a little got a little heated, uh, him and I going back and forth about this. Um, so he thinks that this is the triple A game that uh has been teased and talked about. Um, including the one that we said that Tom Waltz told us was not the only that the last Ronin wasn't the triple A game that was uh coming out. So Jason is positing that this is that game.
0: I mean that That would make sense on on many levels.
2: And so the thing is, is like, I'm not saying Jason is wrong. Uh, The thing is, is like when you say AAA game, that implies a very specific experience. And I can't think of a AAA experience being exclusively mobile.
0: I I hear you. But first off, Tom Waltz wrote for this game. And so he would also know about it. And and,
2: so and there are other there are other very good mobile games. I'm not saying that this is not a good game and it's not de- deserving of any pedigree. But like AAA, a AAA game, you know, doesn't get shadow dropped. Like there was I'm, no build up to this game;
0: it just appeared. I'm with you, but also the developers that develop this game call themselves a AAA developer. Is they don't
2: call right themselves enough. a AAA developer. They call them, They say very specifically in their bio. That they're creating AAA
0: experiences, creating AAA experiences, nonetheless, and so, using that AAA thing.
1: And, I, I, and it it's, I'm,
2: I'm hesitant to say that this is the AAA games.
0: Yes, like I, um, I understand the hesitancy, and I'm I'm with you, but at the same time, I could see it being that. Uh, I do. I think it's a little bit of a false advertisement if it is. Like, yeah, but uh,
2: yeah. Cause like it would be, it would you kind of set everybody's expectations up really high when you say there's a triple A game coming, and it's coming from a studio who's only made two other games, and all of them have been mobile.
0: Yeah, because like let's let's be honest, people kind of look down on mobile gaming, especially compared to a console game. Even even if that console game can be played mobile, like I don't know, Shredder's Revenge, <clears throat> uh, people will still complain about it and say it's not as good because it's a mobile game.
2: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. is like Shredder, this game, like the the biggest comparison you can make to this game in terms of like the way it's played and stuff like that is Shredder's Revenge. Mm-hmm. Granted, this has tons more voice acting than Shredder's Revenge. And, you know, it, it's got a shop and upgrade system where like Shredder's Revenge didn't have that. Yeah. But it's like they're, they're, they're beat em up games basically, yeah. And Shredder's Revenge isn't a triple A game, mm-hmm. and they're made and it was made by a much bigger developer, yeah. And so, a
3: mobile game,
2: and, and so that's what Specific I'm saying, like, qualifier. And, and so, that's what I'm saying, like, when you say like a triple A game is coming and it's this, not saying that this is bad. But it is, it does feel a little misleading and a little disappointing, especially like you know, you guys were saying the fact that it's locked to Apple Arcade is a huge barrier that is going to make a lot of people not able to experience this game,
0: yeah. Well, and then they'll even, I don't know, it's the other, my other worries, and it's going to be like, oh, it's not successful, you know, because you know, yeah, I mean, it's like we, no, we put it behind a paywall
3: and then no one paid for it, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean. And then, well, I mean, that's the thing is like Apple Arcade is, is wildly successful. Like it is, it is a very big successful thing for Apple. Oh,
3: wow. Um, That really does surprise me genuinely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I don't know a lot of people that play on it, so.
2: Oh, it's got, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm in the Apple Arcade, uh, section right now and it's already got an update. I got the update update the game. Uh, so the day it released, uh, it sort of released, uh, two days, two, three days ago. Um, as we're recording this on the 11th, uh, it was the number one game on Apple arcades. It it was number two yesterday. It is number three today.
1: Mm.
2: So, uh, it's, it's, it's going down, but I mean, the fact that it's still, you know, in that top three is still pretty good. Um, it it has multiplayer, which is cool. I want to be able to try, but it seems like multiplayer is tied to your friends list.
0: Yeah. And I'll I don't to, really I'll have a friend. You.
2: Yeah. If, yeah. I'm going to need you to friend me uh, so that we can try this. Um, but yeah, like if you've played this game, let us know what you think of it so far. Uh, if we can set up a clan, that'd be cool. I don't think we can, but no, um, I don't think, totally. I, I, don't think I, don't, I don't think this works like mutant madness. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. It would be interesting to see this come to, Consoles, Um, yeah. Like Jason and I were talking about that. Like, yeah, this would be a perfect game on Switch, you know,
0: or at least Android phones. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares about Android phones. Let me let me just pay five bucks for the app and just have just this app, please. Thank you. No,
2: like that would that would be cool. Like, I would love. I but I would love to see this on like because Hades plays so good on uh switch and it's like this would be perfect to play on the switch this would be perfect to play on a steam deck so um so yeah that is everything that we got for this week uh kind of a long episode but uh we had fun uh i actually feel i didn't i started this episode not feeling good i feel a lot better now so i'm letting you know i am now mike templeton again oh good excellent uh but yeah, guys, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. We love and appreciate each and every one of you. If you have played uh, Splintered Fate, let us know what you think of it so far. Uh, is it the best Ninja Turtles game ever? Probably not, but it's really good. And the fact that it was written by Tom Waltz is, it, this does put it in a different league. Like it, But, you know, I mean, but so and so was Mutants of Manhattan.
0: But yeah, yeah like narr- uh, narratively i am interested in the story of this game it is making me yeah. want to beat it, and, like active like
2: try yeah like it. i I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing it throughout the month yep. so uh it's definitely got that going for it uh but yeah uh guys let us know somewhere on the internet what you thought of it. uh ninja turtle power
3: hour on
2: facebook ninja turtle ph on instagram and twitter and uh, guys we love you
3: yeah so what are we doing next week
0: Next week, we're covering episodes tw- 19, 20, and 21 of Season 7.
3: So that is Night of the Rogues, Attack of the Neutrinos, and Escape from the Planet of the Turtle
2: Three bangers, it sounds like.
3: Yeah. Sounds like it, yeah. And, and guys,
0: in just three months, we could be finished with this series.
3: <laughs> oh. What a yeah. hill we've climbed. Yeah, it is a, a
2: mountain, element. a mountain that we've that we've
1: summited. There we go. That was the word I was
0: looking yeah. for. Let's uh, let's get Miley Cyrus on here to tell us about the climb. Got it. <laughs> so that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga dudes, cowabunga hot soup.
2: forgot to tell you guys that i found the mirage utram and mirage casey neck of figures uh, what do you think uh utram's great casey bad mm. not not impressed with the casey figure the utrams are fun i got i got two of them um so i could you know army build yeah uh they are a lot of fun uh they're pretty mobile um you know, for a NECA figure, Casey, Casey's got a lot of he, there's some parts of his sculpt that are like really old, like from like 2008. Because hmm. they're still using like certain parts. um, Like the arms specifically are like the old foot soldier shredder arms. Hmm. um, And like the rest of it, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't feel like a fun, like it doesn't feel like a good figure. It doesn't move well.
3: I think his legs are too long. Yeah. I mean, like like the leg down to an ankle and then he's also got a boot after that. It's like, it's they're they're like big
2: high top shoes. Yeah. But even then, like they, they don't sit right. I don't know. I'll take some pictures and show them to you. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, empire online. There was an interview with Jeff Rowe. And that exclusive screenshot with the uh, four turtles with the white eyes, like the 2012.
3: That looks so sick from the, from yeah. the new movie yep. you're talking about.
2: Yeah, I have it as my cover photo on Facebook. Oh,
3: man, that looks so sick. Um. Yeah, I, I love some good just white eye turtle.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, it's like the poses and the lighting, like it just looks it looks awesome. Like, yeah, yep. like that's the movie I want, not the not necessarily the like comedy thing we've we've seen in I mean, the we'll, trailer you know so and yeah. and so
2: and and so in this interview Jeff rose says that the
1: movie uh is going to feel a lot like movies like Stand by Me which Stand by Me is a great movie so
3: is that the one I've never seen Stand by Me I don't know what that is oh isn't that where he holds up the radio in the rain
2: uh no that's say anything
3: ah uh, okay
1: you going you know you haven't seen Stand by Me I don't think I have.
2: God, it's been years since I've seen Stand By Me, but I remember it being such a great movie.
3: Considered by many to be one of the most influential films of the 80s, as well as one of the greatest films of all time.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's four like boys um, like they're just four best friends. It's Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman and Jerry O'Connell uh they find a dead body <laughs> and it's like and and then uh they like become heroes in the town and stuff it, it's it's a really big movie
3: yeah I there's the one where the kid gets a leech on his yeah oh yeah okay yeah, I, when when they, 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 get a, they get a yeah. leech on
2: le- get a leech on his dong
3: yep yeah that's why I don't swim
2: yep same that traumatized a generation of kids
3: so maybe I have seen it because I remember that part of it.
2: Oh yeah, my cousin, my cousin and I, uh, we I remember us watching that and just immediately just being squeamish and like, nope, never, never.
3: Well, I don't know, Corey good. Feldman, there's our one one our shirt. Of separation yep. from the turtles. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, what were you saying, Spencer? That's just kind of I don't know. It's it's one of those things that for some reason just kind of
0: it sometimes irks me just a little bit. Like you know, granted we're talking about Ninja Turtles here, It doesn't irk me that much, but just a little bit. Where, like, there's so much Ninja Turtles stuff where, like, they take nostalgia and, like, use nostalgia or, like, base things, like, on and around things that came out around the same time as Ninja Turtles and that were prevalent mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, pulling more from Ninja Turtles and its lore and its history and its characters. And so sometimes I'm just, like, there's so much more here. Like, from comics to to TV, other cartoons to everything, like, you don't just have to, like, go straight to like other things that were also coming out at the time to to throw in there. And and, like, you know, the music sounds great and everything else, but still like you have so many of like the older fans that, and I get it. Like a lot of those people grew up with, with that and that's okay. Mm. And I understand that you like that a lot, but and and, like the Wu-Tang Clan song is a really good song. Like I, I'm okay with it being in a Ninja Turtles movie, but it's, it's just interesting how much like it's picked and pulled from that time period specifically like the trailer of the movie that they're saying that it's like, you know, was from that time period. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, it, it's I, just... I,
2: I, I get you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I get you. Cause it, it, it is kind of annoying because, because you do want to see, you know, stuff from the comics, um, you know, adapted properly. Like, yeah, every, everybody wants that. It just sometimes
0: feels like Ninja Turtles is like sometimes just held a little too captive by the eighties.
2: Yeah. But I mean, and that's, and that's, that's, that's the blessing and the curse of this franchise is that like it, it's so tied to the eighties. Like you can't make something called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles nowadays. Like that only exists
0: because of that era. And I know you can say that about everything that was big when it came out, though.
2: No, no. I mean, I mean, yes and no. Like you can like Power Rangers will always be Mighty Morphin as much as everybody wants different eras to be represented. You know, nobody
3: cares about Dino Thunder. Come like
2: on. nobody cares. about. yeah, nobody cares about Dino Thunder. Nobody cares about Mystic Storm. Nobody cares about, you know, all, all the other seasons like Lost in yeah. Space or uh, or is it uh, in Space and Lost Galaxy or like two of the best seasons to people and nobody cares about those. Yeah. You know, that it's, was, that was when power Rangers, like that original era was dying.
3: It's also you like, a, this is a larger conversation about like the <laughs> commercialization of our nostalgia, you know, <laughs> like,
1: yeah, no,
2: like, I uh, mean, the, turtles, turtles
3: is a very obvious uh, representation of that and power Rangers is as well. So.
2: And it's like, but you look at, you look at times when turtles tries to, deviate from that 80s nostalgia you know and mm. it sometimes it works like 2012 and sometimes it doesn't you know i would say like 2012 rise.
0: doesn't though 2012 what? doesn't it leans it leans super hard like that was the golden age of horror was the 80s and it leans super hard into the horror that was popular during that time it, it leans a lot into like different things that people were nostalgic for during the 80s uh i i don't think it quite does escape it
2: Think, uh, you know what? I had to look at it like that. That's a good point.
0: Yeah, I haven't looked at it like that either. Yeah, like like Karai's backstory is very similar to Katana's from the Mortal Kombat games. Those were That's huge the nineties. Nineties, nineties, eighties. Like it's it's all yeah, this late, time. Late eighties,
3: so. early nineties. Yeah. And and so yeah. I don't know. Next
2: like, year is going to be the thirtieth anniversary for Mortal Kombat.
3: Wow.
1: Yeah, they're already
2: they're teasing the next game. It's like thirty and like the, the Twitter account is like Mortal Kombat thirty.
3: Huh. I they're was just in... skipping like like twenty, twenty different uh games and putting out the thirtieth
2: already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's the thirtieth anniversary. But they're doing um God, I was in I remember I was in third grade and I had to go over to a friend's house because my mom wouldn't let me play Mortal Kombat.
3: What <laughs> a crazy like when you look at Mortal Kombat now, it's like how did we ever think this was bad? Like it's just huge red globs going over the screen like yeah, yeah. like the original one the original one like yeah. is pretty t-
2: well yeah. i mean it's well it's also the fact that it was real people yeah you know like it, it was digitized actors yeah yeah so that added to the goriness factor because like technically those were those people exploding
3: mm. so wait well did people think they actually exploded people to get that film? <laughs> no,
2: no, it's just, it's just it's just the fact that it was
1: depicted. Yeah. So, but
3: yeah, um,
1: like I, I just because I don't want to I don't want to
2: age gate here, but I think it, I think a l- large part of it, Spencer, is is because like you weren't there for the original Turtle Mania.
0: Yeah, no, I understand like, that.
2: Like Turtle Mania was so big yeah and it's like it's hard to get away from that especially as a company buys the franchise and wants to have that you know so they're they're true you know and the closest they got was 2012
0: yeah no and i get it you know 80s nostalgia is probably one of the most profitable things like there is no one more nostalgic for i feel like any time period than people that are nostalgic for the 80s mm. uh, i don't know i, I actually think that, that nostalgia plays a huge like a, a massively important part of culture even before yeah the game is commercialized i i don't know i i think about nostalgia a lot because i like ninja turtles a lot and it plays very heavily into
3: into fandom and things of it yeah yeah, but it's um, nothing not like that new, like even like back in the 70s, like Greece was a huge movie and that was a movie about the 50s back in the 70s. Yeah. Just, it's all yeah I mean, you know,
2: I mean, yeah, Star, Star Wars is supposed to be like the old 1940s, you know, mm-hmm. serials, Buck Rogers and all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know, like Star Wars is huge, though, and no one's ever just like, oh, man, the
3: 70s, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, know? I mean,
2: not any not anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: But it's, also, well, but also because like, it's, it's so much older than the 70s, right? It took place a long time ago. In yeah, Park, shut right? up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but
2: yeah, it's... But yeah, no, no, no. But just, I mean, people... I don't know. Like, the 70s... I mean, a lot of people will tell you, like, fashion was bad in the mm-hmm. 70s. Um, like, other than disco and... Like, disco... Uh, rock and roll and star Wars. Like what else is from
1: the seventies that people still love today?
3: Yeah. You know, also like eighties was the start of like, like the, the toy commercial Saturday morning. Yeah. And that is, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there were cartoons before that, like the eighties, that, that idea like exploded, like just make a 30 minute commercial for a, for a, the toys basically. Right. Yeah. And you can get the toys and play with the toys based on the cartoon you're watching. Yeah. It's like, a yeah. Movie. And that, like that, I mean, that really feeds into the nostalgia. Cause like that, like having those toys based on the cartoon you're watching was not really a thing that like kids had before the eighties.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like G I, like your GI Joe was yeah. just, you know, was just an army guy. It wasn't until he had the, Amer- the real American hero cartoon when it was like, Oh, yeah. Like I can, his buddy
3: snow job.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he man, you know, and the masters of the universe like that really paved the
1: way for that, Um. Mm-hmm. you know, and transformers right after.
3: Yeah. That's yeah. why I think like, like Scooby-Doo doesn't like do a bunch of, uh, that might not be the best example, but like there's not as much like 60s nostalgia with Scooby Doo as there is versus 80s nostalgia for Ninja Turtles, right? Yeah,
2: because yeah. like, but Cause, also because there were like
3: all that, there, there wasn't that whole like culture of like, collecting toys and and playing with them in the morning while you're watching the cartoon and stuff you know yeah it was just just on tv
2: yeah scooby-doo was like just on tv like there may have been like records because that was like boxes or whatever yeah Yeah. there may have been like stuff like that but like the real merchandising boom didn't happen at least for scooby-doo i don't remember the merchandise boom for that until like the 90s
0: yeah, yeah I mean, that was it, like, it was, one, was, and that was, was like one of the like, later yeah. revivals. Yeah, it could have even been the <clears throat> 2000s because what's new Scooby Doo is like something that like so many kids my age watched. I mean, everyone well, was, well, grows up with Scooby Doo though. Like, well, I mean, yeah.
2: you you missed out on the Scooby Doo movies. Oh yeah, those were the the Scooby Doo movies in the late 90s were huge, and that I mean, was I part was, of like that was part of like what led to that big revival.
0: I was born in the late 90s, and I grew up with blockbuster being a thing. You better believe I. You know, movies from Blockbuster that were Scooby.
3: Do you all remember the the promos they had for? It might have been for what's new Scooby do but there it was when the Blair Witch Project was big, and they like edited the Scooby characters into like scenes I, from the Blair Witch Witch Project. No, I've seen that. I've seen the trailers. I don't. I don't remember actually seeing them on TV, but I've seen oh, the trailers. Yeah. They're pretty funny. I saw them at daycare, and like they were the scary. I mean, like you're going down for nap time, and like Scooby's mm. in the corner. I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna die. <laughs> But there was the live-action Scooby-Doo movie that was, you know, definitely a thing when I was a kid. I saw that early. I got really? like a, I got like some sort of test screening, and like it wasn't done being edited. I don't think because you could see like the boom mic every now and then drop from the from the top. <laughs> that's yeah. funny. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. That was like
0: Scooby-Doo is like a universally like loved thing that no one realizes that everyone universally loves it. Yeah. until like you start talking about it. And then everyone's just like, Oh yeah, I loved Scooby-Doo as a kid. Like, yeah, it was a big part of like literally everyone's childhood. And they, they yeah. there's always a new series. And so it always, anyway.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, and, and, and kind of like after
0: six years
2: you know? and kind of like, kind of like turtles. Like it's, it's a generational thing. It just, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's not as old, but,
0: but the other thing that Scooby-Doo does differently though, is that it does keep it consistent mostly. Like maybe they'll have like the tiniest of tweaks to the characters. Yeah, they've gone through time, but for the mm. most part, it's all intact. Like, why up do you think the Velma. reaction to Velma was so visceral? Yeah, like it's this thing that everyone like loves, and yeah. then they're just like, and now we're going to uh, do something totally different with it.
2: And I think, and I think part of the, I think part of the reason why like Turtles doesn't do that is because so many different things made up the identity of Turtles. Because you had the comics, the movies and the TV show and the video games and the toy line all doing, you know, different things at the yeah. same time. And so just depending on where your entry point was with turtles, like you may, the, the action figures may be your thing. Like, you know, a lot of us did two comics, two wildly different comics going on at the same time.
0: Yeah. You know, well, it's even funny. Cause I can see, I can see why people who grew up watching the 87 series, would like, I don't know, find the last rodent weird or not like it, because I have seen a few people here and there express how they, you know, they don't like it. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like
2: originally they didn't, originally the 87 fans didn't like uh, 2003.
0: Yeah, like, and I can imagine, you know, me having grown up like watching Arthur, and then suddenly I'm an adult and someone's like, here's this comic book about Arthur going through a midlife crisis after (laughs) his wife cheats on him, you know, Buster struggling with his divorce and drinking problems. (laughs) I would be like, what are
3: you what are you talking about?
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) What are you trying to sell me here? (laughs) It's just crazy enough to work. It's the afterlife with Archie premise, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy enough. (laughs) So I
0: I, kind of get it, but at the same time, I'm like, I guess that's my big thing. It's just kind of like, I like it when it's able to kind of break free of that identity and like have its own wings and rely on itself as a franchise. And I feel like that's why I'm like so drawn to the comics. Uh, hmm. More than anything, whether it's the original, because the original wasn't basing itself on anything, <laughs> and also IDW that that just pulls. I guess, well, I guess the original was basing itself on things, and it was just an amalgam of you know. Yeah, like is it
2: reference? It referenced having. stuff all the time.
0: Yeah, you know, you know it was an amalgam of things. <laughs> all the they, all the
2: all like. the shows that it referenced that we were like what was this reference? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Cagney and Lacey and like whatever other shows that Kevin and Peter grew up on.
0: Yeah. No. And so there is definitely that aspect to it, but like, especially like IDW and, and what it's done and, mm. you know, the 2003 series, more pulling from the comics and adapting those. I, I don't know. I just feel more, I mean, in 2003 I'll chalk straight up to nostalgia, I guess, cause I was a kid growing up watching it and that, that definitely probably plays a part in it. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, no. I, I mean,
2: all all of all of you two thousand three fans do that. Like every time I see, like <laughs> every time hey, I see somebody, nice, cool. <laughs> I know every time I see somebody in like the TMNT Reddit that's like two thousand three is the best show, and I'm like, yes, yes. Or like, or who two thousand three is the best show? Who agrees with me? It's like yes, everybody who that was their first show agrees with you
3: <laughs> like so, i've seen I'm some so people that, those posts i oh, and like too. for every for every iteration of turn which like, one's your favorite, favorite a, show, show. Yeah. i know Good like there's, is, a, there's a big difference, difference between role.
2: like there's a big difference between like which one is your favorite and which one is the best objectively the best one is the 2012 show everybody's favorite one though the most accessible to everybody and the one that people have the most fun with that's all personal And I think 2003 is a big one right now.
3: Yeah. Uh, So speaking of things we grew up with, Spencer, I was babysitting this kid this weekend and he wanted to watch The Princess and the Frog. This kid?
2: Not your kid?
3: Uh, A different kid, yeah. (laughs) I I was watching my child and another child, like the superhuman parent that I am. Um, But we watched...
2: Someone's a super achiever
3: over here. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the kid wanted to watch a movie... And the movie had Jim Cummings playing a, like, Cajun firefly. It was the yeah. Princess and the that's Frog. The princess and the Frog, yeah. right. I remember you saying that, that uh, Jim Cummings' voice always sounds very Southern to you. And yeah. I wonder if you've seen that movie and if maybe that's where that's coming from.
0: Well, I, I've absolutely seen that movie. I, I watch that one a lot. I actually, I, that's probably one of my favorite Disney soundtracks is, is The Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. I love the jazz. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I love Lottie. She's great she's a great character. She, she is
3: also a fun character
2: that is a that is a ride or die right there
0: <laughs>
3: but yeah, yeah, I saw I, that and uh, I was like that's that's where Spencer's getting that from
0: it is no absolutely but he also he has he he's so many different Cajun things because he's also uh the space pirate in the Clone Wars the hondo Anaka Hondo Anaka, yeah, he's kind of got a southern like Cajun accent yeah. there uh he he does a lot of Cajun characters yeah. I mean, he's, he's also leatherhead yeah 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 he might actually be southern himself i'm
3: not sure it would make sense I he's, from I, Michi- I, he's from michigan i looked yeah. it up yeah oh okay that's not because like, i was thinking the same thing i was like he does such a good cajun accent he's got to be cajun <laughs> nope he's from the, op- the opposite side of the country <laughs> yeah
2: uh he is a very nice man i've met him several times um, awesome. at like various conventions just just an absolute sweet sweet man
0: he seems very, very nice and very fun. I I love that video of him reading lines like Darth Vader's lines as Winnie the Pooh mm. at a con somewhere. That's, I that's remember
2: I there were there were a couple times that I've met him where he like just didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. and it's like it kind of soured the experience. And I mean, he's he's never remembered me every time I've met him. He's never he's never remembered me, and that's fine. He meets thousands of people, yeah. Um, and so that's why like it was always like funny to me to see when he wanted to be there and when he didn't want to be there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you know, and sometimes you just you have bad days and and people Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. Know. Like if I was yeah. sitting at a if, if I was sitting at a booth like him, you know, I would be so annoyed. I remember one of my one of the things that like just annoyed me um about his booth was that he uh, cause he played Dr. Robotnik in one of the Sonic shows in the sad AM show, the serious like post-apocalyptic one. Um, and his Dr. Robotnik is very, um, evil and, you know, snivelly. Why does this hedgehog always, you yeah, know, that, that kind of voice. Yeah. Um, but, and so, and so he, you know, he signs pictures of the characters that he's played, um and stuff and the Robotnik he had was Dr. Eggman from Sonic Adventure and I'm like that's not your it's, it's technically the same character but that's not your character
0: yeah I mean definitely the, 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 the Eggman that I grew up with is a very different voice from that Sonic X has a, has a very different voice
1: <laughs> so anyway yeah, should we get into it? Yeah, yeah let's let's get into it. That's that's enough bonus content.